Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. the beginning. Psalms 130, if you have your Bibles. Psalms 130. I shared from this Monday night, and I, I'm just going to pick up and just we'll just see where we go with this. But Psalms 130. You know, have you ever had an interesting experience, one of those moments that uh, surprised by God moments? I've been having a lot of those lately. <laughs> and I had, I had a surprised by God moment yesterday. And it, it was kind of one of those comical moments. It has nothing to do with my message. I just thought I would share it. <laughs> and I was, I, I was sitting getting a haircut, and uh, the, the, there was a guy that came in, was getting his haircut at the station behind me. And there, him and the hairdresser person, lady, whatever, stylist, whatever you call him these days, uh, barber, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it was a female. Whatever. I don't know what the proper term is these days. But uh, anyway, so they were talking, and he said, he said something about um, going to church this week, and, and the hairstylist, whatever, said, you go to church? And it was one of those, and I thought, and I'm overhearing this, and of course, as a pastor, I'm sitting there thinking, well, duh, doesn't everybody? You know, <laughs> like, it does, what's, what, yeah, of course he goes to church. Shouldn't we go to church, you know? And so I, my ears perk up, and I'm just, of course, I'm listening. The, my, the lady who's cutting my hair is talking, and I've totally zoned her out. I don't even know what she's saying, what she's talking to me about. I'm totally engaged in a conversation that's happening behind me. I'm watching in the mirror, trying to read his lips so I can make sure that I pick up everything that he says. I don't want to miss what he's saying because I'm, I'm now intrigued. And so he begins to talk about how they, they go to church, you know, when her family comes in town. It was, a, it was a good Catholic family, and so they only go to church when her family's in town because they have to, you know, portray the image that they go to church. And so her family's coming in town Christmas, so they had to go to Mass, I guess, last night so they could get familiar with the church that they're going to be taking their family to. <laughs> So it looks like they go to church on Christmas Day that looks like the church they go to. You know, and he kept on going, you know, we don't want to walk in the wrong door when we get there. You know, we want to at least look like we go to the church. Maybe some of you had that feeling today coming in. You're like, I only go to church at Christmas time, so who, what door do I go in? You're okay. You're in good company. You're fine. But... Um, you know, it was hilarious listening to this. And then he starts to tell the story about, you know, him and his wife when they were dating. They, had to, they were sneaking around behind her parents because they were Catholic parents and all the things that were going on. And so it's funny. And they, fi they finally finish the haircut. They get done. He gets up, leaves. The hairstylist walks out of the room. And my hairstylist, knowing that, uh, that I'm a pastor, you know, has been listening to. Now she has picked up that I am listening to this conversation. <laughs> And she's watching me and kind of listening to them, watching them in the mirror. And uh, she says, and I hope she's not here today. <laughs> I don't think so. I can't, I don't see her anywhere. She says, whew, I was waiting for something offensive to come out. And I said, you're okay. I, that's not going to offend me. I said, that's just the goofiness of people. But how many times 
are we like that? We, we try to do our, our best effort. We try to put our best effort to get to God, to get his approval, to get, and sometimes we do what we're doing to gain other people's approval. But that's not what Christianity is all about. That's not what Christianity is all about. This is a relationship with Christ, ever deepening, ever changing, ever transforming relationship with Christ. And so you might be here today and you might have been told that Christianity is all about rules and things you can't do or shouldn't do or whatever the case is. And, uh, you know, let me just encourage you today, take all your preconceived ideas, take all of the things that you have been taught about religion and God, put them in the proverbial Tupperware bowl, take the Tupperware bowl, seal it shut, stick it on the shelf, and come back to it after service and see if it still makes sense. Can we do that? Can we just put, can, can we all do that? Can we just agree to put any of our preconceived ideas about the Lord in a little Tupperware bowl and allow him to speak to us afresh and anew today because I promise you before you leave today that God has a word for you. This isn't just a word for Celebration Church and we're all going to leave and go home and do our thing and go about Christmas week. God has a word for you. Matter of fact, he's calling somebody's cell phone right now. I heard it. God has a word specifically for you today. I promise. In Psalms 130, David starts out, he says, Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Have you ever been in that place with life where the deep part of you begins to cry out to the Lord, God, I don't understand. God, why is this happening? God, come and and heal my broken heart. God, come and fix this situation. And out of your depths, out of your innermost being, comes a cry, comes a longing unto the Lord for healing, for restoration, for salvation. It's in the deep places that a deep devotion is developed to the Lord. It's in the place where deep is calling out to deep. Lord, let your waterfalls come wash over me. In the deep place, in the place of your pain, in the place of your suffering, in the place of circumstance where life has brought hopelessness, deep begins to cry out to deep. Your deep innermost being begins to cry out to the Lord. You know, in Psalms 129, David talks about this heartache. He says, many a time they have afflicted me from my youth. Many a time they have afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. He talks about the plowers plowing upon his back. Have you ever faced a difficult season in your life? Maybe this, maybe today you're looking at 2016 and saying, I'm ready for 2016 to be over. I'm ready for this. You know, I've, I've heard that a lot this year, especially this, the past couple of months. I've heard that a lot. I've probably said it myself a few times. And we've all been there. I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready for this season to end. But it's in the place. It's in the place of your deep brokenness. Does anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? It's in the place of your despair that you can begin to cry out to the Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Diamonds sparkle the most against the darkness. It's in that deep place, it's in the darkness, it's in the despair that God begins to illuminate the facets of your life that radiate his glory. 
It's in the darkness. It's in the deep places. It's in the places of hurt and uncertainty. It's when you're walking through the shadow of the valley, the, the, the valley of the shadow of death. It's, it's in the place of evil. It's in the place of fear. It's in those moments that your life begins to radiate and sparkle the glory and the reflection of his goodness in your life. In Romans 8, 26, one of my favorite scriptures, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know how we ought to pray. We don't know how we ought to handle that situation. But soon anti-lambanamite, that's the word for helps in the Greek. Soon anti-lambanamite, it's a compound word. Paul made it up. It's a, it's a word that means he helps, he comes, and he wrestles with us in our despair. Christ comes, the Holy Spirit comes in the middle of our weakness, in the middle of our hurt and he begins to wrestle with us like a lifeguard wrestling with someone who's drowning he wrestles with them and pulls them to safety so maybe all you know how to say in the midst of your situation all you'll get out of today's message is soon anti-lambanamite that's okay maybe in the hurt maybe in the despair you can begin to call out to God say God I don't understand what it means but soon anti-lambanamite you're my helper I can hold on to you I know that you're going to bring me through this situation. God, I know that you're going to carry me through the deep waters and bring me to safety. Soon anti-lambanamite. Let your ears be attentive. Let your ears be attentive to my cry. John 14, Jesus said, I am leaving, but I am sending. The Father will send in my place another helper, someone who's going to come just like me. The Holy Spirit is going to come and help you through life circumstances. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed help? Don't look at me like you're so religious. Every single one of us, you're probably there today. All of us have been there. All of us, if we're not there today, guess what? When you wake up tomorrow, there's going to be something staring you in your face that you're going to need the help of God from. You're going to need his help to walk you through. God, the depths, the meditations of my heart, the innermost place of my being is calling out to you. God, Lord, hear, hear my cry. Hear me in my situation. Hear me from my deep place. Verse 3 says, If, Lord, you had, should mark our iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Can you imagine for a moment, if you're here today, let me say this, if you're here today and you're away from the Lord, if you have not a relationship with Christ, every single one of your sins are held against you. That's scripture. Your sins are still counted against you. Every single one. It is but the mere mercy of God that sustains you today. If you're away from the Lord today, it, every one of your sins, the Bible says that all of us are sinners. There's not one of us in this room that are outside of the message of Romans that says we have all sinned. We are all sinners. And I don't care what your sin, what label you place on it. It's still sin. It's still ugly and it still stinks before God. But if you are outside of Christ today, every one of your sins is counted against you. But for those of us who are in Christ, God help us if we were still in the place where our iniquities were still counted against us. God help us if God was keeping track of every one of our sins against us today. Isaiah says this, it's our theme verse for the holiday season. 
come, let us reason together. Isaiah 1.18. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be like scarlet, though they be red, though your sins are a stain before God, they are a stench before the Lord today, they are a mark against you, though they be red as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. There is only one way to erase a crimson stain, and it's through the crimson blood of Jesus. I don't understand how blood can make a blood stain white, but it happens, and it happens every day that Christ comes, and He can come into your situation today. He can come into your life today and make every one of your sins erased white as snow through the blood that was shed at Calvary. There is forgiveness with you. In Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, it says this, In Him, verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. We have redemption. You have been purchased. Every one of us today, the Bible says in John 3, that every one of us, look this way, are on our way. Every one of us today outside of Christ, have already been condemned. That's what Scripture says. That's what the Bible says. That every one of us today, John 3, outside of Christ, have been condemned. It's not that God's sending you to hell. You're already on your way there. And without Christ, you have no way of escape. God is not obliged to pull you off of that path destined to hell outside of a contract made in Christ. You are already on your way. And Christ is extending to you today mercy. He's extending to you today redemption. Christ came and paid the ultimate price. Can you imagine with me for a moment those of you that have children can probably absolutely relate to this, but can you imagine paying the price for the world's sins, errors, mistakes, disobedience with one of your children? Giving up one of your children to be sacrificed, and not just any sacrifice, to have the most heinous, brutal, murderous sacrifices that there was ever conceived. Christ came and offered himself as an absolute final sacrifice for you. He paid the price for your sin. He made atonement for your sin. And there is absolutely no sin that is outside of his ability to wash clean. You may be here this morning and carrying the weight of your sin, carrying the condemnation. The Bible talks about the condemnation and the guilt that comes with your sin. Christ is able, Hebrews says, to wash you clean to the uttermost. Cleanse your conscience clean. Cleanse your spirit man clean. Cleanse your past. Erase it as if it never even happened. That is the power of the blood of Jesus. The redemption that comes. The forgiveness of sins. According to his riches of his grace. The redemption of Christ is not according to your good works today. 
The redemption that Christ paid for you is not anything that you can earn. It's not anything that you can strive to obtain in your own strength. It is freely given according to the riches of His grace. It is by grace through faith, Ephesians says, that you're born again. There is no other way except through Jesus Christ. It is His grace, the great riches, the expansiveness, the multiplication of His great grace towards you. This is the grace of God, that while we were enemies, the Bible says we were not just strangers towards God, we were enemies. You, my friend, are an enemy of God. His wrath is against you. You are an enemy of God. But it is only through Christ that you are brought in and adopted in and made part of his family. In Christ, we've received the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption, Paul wrote in Romans, that we might cry, Abba, Father, that we can cry out to God, Daddy, God, it is the only way. It is the only way. He has paid the price for your redemption. He has paid the price by His grace. If we continue on in Psalms 130, that there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul, verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. You know, one of the hardest things when you're facing a difficulty in life is to wait. What's the first thing that we want when life happens? Get me out of this. Where's the quickest way of escape? How can I get out? How can I fix this? What can I do differently? Sometimes God hems you in in the situation so that you can't escape. Sometimes God places you in the middle of life and what you're facing just so that you can't get out and that you have to wait for him. What does waiting produce? It's a testing of your faith. In 1 Peter, I love 1 Peter. Let's flip over there. 1 Peter. This is one of those random scriptures I don't think I gave to media, so you all just catch up with me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the, what? The genuineness of your faith. Yeah. Say, Pastor, we want a message about how we're overcoming and we're victorious. Yeah, that's, that's all part of waiting on the Lord. <laughs> we want to be victorious. We want to jump to the victory. We want to jump to the end of the story. But sometimes we have to go through the season of waiting. Waiting tests our faith. It proves our faith. It sends the faith through the fire and say, okay, God, I yield. I'll allow you to test my faith. Faith is not just the ability to name and claim something. You know, a lot of people teach these days that faith is, is your ability to get prosperity or wealth, and you just name it, claim it, you get it, whatever, have it. That, that's not faith. Faith, very simply, is our spiritual perception. Just like in our natural man, we have our five senses. We're able to see, taste, touch, hear of the world and perceive the world around us. Faith is our spiritual perception. It's our ability to taste and to see and to touch and to know what's happening in the spiritual world around us. And so faith is knowing and perceiving the realities of heaven. It's the, it's the ability to perceive what God's doing and saying and speaking. And it's hearing his voice. 
And there's times in life where we have to go through a season of the testing of our faith, not like a muscle to work it out, but our ability to hear God more closely, to hear Him more intimately. It's our ability to be aware of His presence more deeply. Sometimes we have to begin to close out the things that distract us, begin to wait on the Lord and to hear His voice. To have our faith tested. Sometimes in the testing, our patience has to be produced in a deeper level. James says that having our patience perfected, that we may be lacking nothing. That's a pretty strong statement, to be lacking nothing. I mean, if I really take time and go through and examine my life, there's probably quite a bit I'm lacking. Right? But going through the testing of our faith, waiting on God produces patience. It teaches us submission. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching truth this morning. Y'all are getting too happy in here when we start talking about submission. We don't want to hear that word. We don't want to talk about submission. God wants you to submit to him. He wants you to yield. Everybody say yield. It'll do you good. Yield. Does the body good. Yield to the Lord. Yield your mind, yield your emotions, yield your body, yield to God. Wait on Him, allow Him to transform you, allow Him to change you. Isaiah, in chapter 40. says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says our God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem. Cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain shall, and hill shall be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That precedes this verse. Have you not known, verse 28, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases in strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Even the young shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, they that wait, those that wait on the Lord. You know, life is not about how many trophies you get through the, through the hardship. It's how you respond. It's the character that's developed. Do you look like Christ when you go through it? Do you smell like Christ in the end? Is he changing you just a little bit more? Is he going and digging a little bit deeper in the recesses of your heart? Or are you becoming obstinate and stiff-necked? I'm convinced that the, the Israelites, if you go back to the story with Moses... In the wilderness, you know, three, I cannot imagine leading three million people through the wilderness. I mean, that, that alone is just baffles my mind to have to deal with three million people. But beyond that, 
what does, what does God say about them? He says that they are stiff-necked. You see, it really wasn't about the end of the journey. And yes, God was bringing them to the promised land. But God could have done that any way he chose. It really had very little to do with the destination. It had everything to do with the journey. So many times we get caught up in the results. Well, where are we going? What are, what's, the, what's the end goal? What's the end game here? And God for us is outside of all of that. He's outside of time. He, that's not even the, the concern, the end result. He knows the end result. He wrote the end result. He's got it covered. What he's concerned about is the journey. Are you learning to enjoy God along the journey? Are you able to be flexible and say, yes, Lord, I'll flow with you. I'll go with you. I'll go the direction that you go. Or do you become very stiff-necked and say, God, I don't want to change. Don't change my situation. Don't change me. Don't, don't touch. Don't touch my junk, Jesus. Leave the junk in my trunk and don't touch it. Don't go there. And all the while, God's saying, let's start digging in the junk of your trunk. <laughs> let's begin to see you change and transform. But those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Our hope is in his word. It says this, that in his word I do hope. His, his word for you and I in the season of waiting. If you're here today and you're in the life, in the midst of circumstance of life, the life's tornado has picked you up, sucked you up, and you're right in the middle of the storm. Let me offer this word of encouragement to you. Hear the word of the Lord today. It is the anchor for your soul. It is the anchor for your mind. It is the food that will sustain you through the season of waiting. Feast on his word. Feast on him. He is the bread from heaven. Feast on Christ today. Let him sustain you. And then verse 7. I read, I, I read this Monday night at the funeral. And I love, I love this verse. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. And with him is abundant redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Hope in the Lord. He is the anchor. His hope is the anchor, Hebrews 6 says, of our soul. It is his mercy that we are able to hope in. His mercy, I mentioned earlier, but his mercy. I want you to just think of his mercies towards you for a moment. It is his mercy, the Bible says, that we are not consumed. His loving kindnesses are new every morning. It is his mercies towards you that sustain you. It is his mercies that are boundless towards you. They are endless towards you. They are infinite towards you. They are everlasting from everlasting. The mercy of God. It's his mercy that is upholding you today. For those of you that are here, you're away from the Lord. It is his mercy that has kept you alive and from stepping into eternity without him. How dreadful of a thought to step into eternity without God. 
It is his mercy that has upheld you. It is his mercy. If you're born again today, you know Christ and have a relationship with him. It is his mercy that sustains you every day, that takes you through the battles, that keeps you through life's journeys. It's his mercy that keeps you breathing. But what do we all want to do? We want to get up in the morning and we want to Facebook about how horrible. I can't believe how people are. You know, there's a verse in the Bible. This might not be a popular verse for you this morning, but I'll share it anyway. Hopefully you'll still love me. It says, as a man thinks. Let me say that again, because apparently you all don't read your Bibles. As, As a man thinks. Let me ask you, what are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on? Are you dwelling on the mercies of the Lord? Are you dwelling on the word of God? Is your mind fixed on him? The Bible says you will keep it perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Is your mind fixed on Christ? Is your hope anchored in Christ? It's getting quiet up in here today. Where's your hope? Where's the anchor? Where are you anchoring yourself today? Is it on, is it on the word of God? Or is it in your own thoughts, negative thoughts about how everything's not going to work and how everybody done did you wrong and Aunt Susie who smells bad and everything else. You get off, you know. Y'all are getting ready to go deal with those Aunt Susies. I know all about it. They, they may not stink natural, but you know, you're getting ready to deal with some, you know, Christmas time. You deal with ugly people, ugly family. I don't want to see them. I don't want to go to their house. I don't want Y'all know what I'm talking about. Is it is that where your mind is fixed? Or is your mind fastened, focused in on the word of God? Get a scripture. Let me encourage you. Get a scripture and zero in your mind this week. Do this every week. Do this daily. Zero in on a scripture. Get your mind in the word of the Lord and on his mercy. It may be as simple today as praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. His mercies are from everlasting to everlasting. Begin to zero in on the mercies of God towards you that sustain you, that keep you, that save you, that uphold you. You know what begins to happen? And, and here, here's what happens when you begin to focus your mind on the, on the negative. All of a sudden, you begin to think, well, Susie just stinks. I'm just pulling, so you know, she, she just does not have a good personality. I don't like going over to Aunt Susie's house. And then what happens? You start having an emotional attachment to that negative thought. Well, I'm nervous about going over there because she's just ugly. She's gonna, my kids don't like her. It's not going to be a good situation. I'm just picking on Aunt Susie, but you all have your own situation. Just fill in the gap. And you just start thinking about it. You start dwelling on it. And all of a sudden, your emotions start getting attached to that negative thought. Well, that's just not going to, I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm fearful. Instead of hoping in the Lord, instead of fixating your mind on Christ and having godly emotions, you're now having emotions that are not out of the love of God, that are not driven by the love of God. You start having emotions that are driven out of your carnal nature and fear. 
out of rejection. And then all of a sudden, what starts happening? You start acting based on those emotions. Remember, remember our friend Noah, who heard the word of the Lord and was moved by godly fear to build an ark. He had godly emotions that resulted in a godly action. That happens in our lives. We have negative emotions that result in really bad actions. And then you just start repeating the cycle all over again. So is it better for you to continue on in your negativity and focusing in on yourself and your ugliness and everybody else's ugliness? Because we all filthy, ugly, nasty, rotten people anyway, right? The Bible says that there's everything evil and vile that flows out of our heart. So we're all wretched sinners anyway. So are you going to focus in on yourself and your wretchedness and everybody else's ugliness? Or are you going to begin to focus in on the Lord? Are you going to begin to focus in on what his word says? Are you going to begin to have godly affections, godly emotions towards what God says? That I will sustain you. I will uphold you. Your mercy, Psalms 108.4, your mercy is great above the heavens. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Begin to focus in on the mercies of the Lord. And then it says this, in, in him, with him, we have abundant redemption. We have abundant redemption. The redemption that Christ extends to you is not just simple or mediocre. It is absolutely exhilarating. It is the most pleasurable thing in all life to know the redemption of Christ. To know the redemption of God. To enjoy God fully. To know Him intimately. Every single one of us today are absolutely 100% in need of the redemption of Christ. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. Not one of us can escape. You know, I hear a lot, well, I'm a good person. And jumping back to my story to start off at the haircutting place. Well, I'll just go, I'll practice. I'll practice my church goingness. And make, I'll, I'll convince, I'll convince, I'll convince my in-laws that it's all okay. I'll practice. You can do everything in this life to practice, but you're not fooling God. You can do all the religious works, good deeds. You can be a good person, but you're not fooling him. You are in need today of his redemption. You say, Pastor, you're making me feel uncomfortable. Good. <laughs> My job is, I'm not paid to make you feel comfortable. My calling is not to make you feel comfortable. My calling is to make you aware of reality. Reality check. Redemption is needed by every one of us. And the great thing about it is that Christ extends it freely to you. It's his mercy that you're hearing this message today. It's the grace of God that you're hearing this crazy dressed preacher from New Orleans tell you, tell you that there is hope only found in Christ. There is redemption only found in him. Hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. And with him is abundant redemption. You know, you might be facing difficulties today in life. You might be going through a rough season. 
you might be one of those that said, I'm ready. You know, we're, we're on countdown to January 1. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> out of the depths, out of the depths of my heart, Lord, I cry out to you. Lord, hear my prayer. Lord, you are my hope. Can you, like David, can, can you say that? Can you say that like David? Lord, you are my hope. The depths of my heart cries out to you. The innermost being, my innermost man, the meditations, the thoughts of my heart cry out to you, O oh God. Lord, help. Soon anti-lambanamai, help. Lord, thank you for your mercies that you don't hold my iniquities against me, but you have extended to me abundant salvation. You have extended to me abundant redemption. You've extended to me abundant mercy. And I've been redeemed. You know, we can say something that David couldn't. David prophesied, so to speak, about it, but we can talk about it in the present tense. Not only... Do you offer abundant redemption? Not only do you extend abundant mercies, but we are feasting today, present tense, on the mercies of God because of Christ. God, the creator of all things, stepped out of eternity and came into creation itself as a humble baby and offered himself Offered, gave freely. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. He freely gave his life so that you and I can experience what David's talking about. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your redemption. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercies. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that you came born as a baby for me. That you paid the sacrifice for my sin. You took upon yourself my sin. When you were hanging on that cross, you knew every sin. You knew every sin that I would ever commit. And you died for me. And you rose again for me. And you've called me your own. I was your enemy. And while I was still your enemy, you died for me. I'm amazed, Jesus, by this love. I'm amazed by this mercy. I'm overwhelmed by your mercy, God. I'm overwhelmed by your grace. Truly, it sustains me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. 
For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.